Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Good morning, church. Uh, I pray everyone's doing well. I pray that everyone is snuggled up under a blanket. If you are at home uh, with a nice cup of tea or or a cup of hot chocolate or a cup of coffee. Uh, hi to all of those who are meeting in their houses today. We're going to continue going through uh, our teaching uh, of the book of Galatians. And today we're going to be looking at something that's so important. Have you ever heard someone say this to you? I hope not. But, but have you ever heard someone say this to you? Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? I once heard that when I asked a girl to be my valentine in grade six and she said do you know who I am assuming that I was way out of her league but our passage today looks at this very thing and we're looking at it in a positive way see in Galatians 3 verse 26 to 29 it says this it says for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus and all of you have been united with Christ in baptism. Sorry, let me go back. All of you who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. See, it's so important to know who we are and to know what our worth is in Christ. See, we are, he says that we're children of God. And this is, this is um, such an amazing thing. Um, to be a child means we're part of a family. To be a child means that we are loved. To be a child means that we have the dignity and respect that comes with belonging to our family. I always think of whenever I'm here in Vintuk at the village or I'm in, in Kenya at the village there or around town and I bump into someone who knows my mom or my dad or my grandfather or my grandmother and they say, Rico, you're this and this person's child. Or I remember going to, to, to the village and being told, you need to go and greet that aunt, go, go to her house over there, go and greet that uncle as well. And you'd get there, and because um, we're blessed to, to, to be uh, a big family, some of, sometimes the uncles would, or the aunts would kind of be scratching their heads wondering, now, which child is this? So they ask you, who is your father? Who is your mother? And then I would say, my father is Steve Hoveka, my mom is Esther Hoveka. And then they would, you see them, start all these all these um connections start coming together and they have a smile on their face and they talk about your parents and then they talk about uh how they knew you from when you were tiny but there's this warmth and this respect that comes because they know who your parents are you get the dignity from your parents from your family and i am blessed to be in a family uh, of people who 
have treated people with dignity and who are well respected. So I get to wear that respect when I go around to these people. I wear my parents' dignity. As children of God, we have his dignity. We wear his dignity. It's, it's, it's better than being a child of the Queen of England because we are a child of the King of Kings, the Royal of Royals. We wear his dignity. In fact, in verse 27, it says that you put on Christ. And this is referring to the way that we act and the way that we live. But also, he's telling us, remember who you are. Live your new identity. You, you are not an orphan. You are not worthless. You belong to Christ. You are dignified. It says we come out of a place of being slaves to sin, of, uh, of being alone, of being um, objects of wrath and, and, and people who destroy their, their, themselves with their, with their lifestyle. But God says, this is the new identity I give you. And he says, I want you to live that way. Live like my child, right? And he clothes us with all this dignity. And I think of, of the story of the prodigal son who, who took his dad's inheritance and then went off to, to another land and squandered it up with this wild living. And he comes back and as he's, as he's coming back, he's talking to himself. He's saying, there's no way I can come back to him and assume I'll have the rights and the privileges and the dignity I had before as his son. I must come in as his servant. And he's walking down this road with these clothes that are all beaten up and uh, I see him covered in, in dust and dirt. And he's coming back and his father sees him from afar and he runs towards him and he throws his arms around him. And he, and he gives him a, a ring and he gives him a robe as well. He clothes him and puts, gives him this ring to say to everyone, this is my son. I regard him the same way. I give him his dignity. I put this robe on him. And, and, and God is saying that to you and me. He's saying, this is who you are in Christ. You are my child. You are my child. I give you your worth. And he says, and live like this. So he says, put on these things like love, like kindness, like self-control, like patience. I think of the, the, the many times when relatives are coming over and as a child, maybe you'd be playing or, or just in your own world. And I would see my mom cleaning up here and there and she's preparing a meal. And she tells me, you need to go and bath because guests are coming. And as a child, I'm thinking, they're not coming for me. But my mom is saying, we need to keep the dignity of this house, right? I don't want people to come in and see you and, and you know how we are as children. If we're not told to wash, <laughs> we're covered in dirt. And if you are more adventurous, even more dirt. And so my mom would be thinking, okay, you just need to clean yourself up look like you come from a household you come from a house of people that love you and God is saying the same thing to you and to me when he says put on Christ 
He says, live the way I've called you to live. Present yourself to people so that they know who I am, so that they see my dignity, that they respect and, and, um, and lift me up. But also as well for us, it gives us a sense of dignity, right? We are new creation. In Christ, we are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And the cool thing about it is that we are, we, we are given dignity here, but for eternity we'll have dignity. It says we will reign with him. That's who we are in Christ. That's who we are. That's, that is our worth in Christ. God cherishes us and God loves us and God gives us dignity. I'm going to hand over to Sibylla. She's going to do uh, the next part of the sermon. This is a tag to Sibylla. The next part of the message is what we find in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. And as you might have seen during the week, uh, the title of this message is, um, Do You Know Who I Am? And, and basically, when we read this passage, as, uh, as Rick and I have been spending time reading this passage, we realize that if we understand who we are in Christ, then we have the full freedom and we have the ability to, to surrender everything that we are to Him. If we understand fully uh, the calling that we have on our lives. So let's, let's quickly read Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 together. It says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, two of those three concepts we're not that familiar with. But the third one we are. But let's have a look at the first one. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. And in our culture today, we don't really truly understand what that means. We, we know Jews. And, but what you need to understand is that for many years, um, the understanding in the Jewish culture was that the Messiah would come for them. And, and that um, when Jesus came and totally turned over the whole concept of of this new kingdom that was a spiritual kingdom but it, that was also available to everybody so if you remember a gentile for those of you who don't know a gentile is anybody that's basically not a jew and so when it says there is no longer jew or gentile what that means is that for us nowadays it means that regardless of your spiritual background your of of which people group you come from from which nation you come from that in Christ, it is all equal. That each one of us has been given the opportunity and the ability to come to Jesus and, and to give everything that we are to Him. And so, um, I remember many years ago coming across a, a book that was speaking about grace. And um, I think in the book it, it referenced somebody like Jeffrey Dahmer or somebody that had really committed huge atrocities on this earth. And, and it spoke about what would we think if he was in heaven with us. And I remember my first initial reaction was like, no, 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 that can't be right. You got to, you know, you got to pay for your crimes. And then God just showed me is that um, <laughs> that's the beauty of salvation. Is that uh, the death of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins was for everybody, regardless of, of where we come from, as we say in Namibia, irregardless. And so when we see... Jew or Gentile, that means that even uh, the lowest of lows in our eyes, not in the eyes of God, 
in our eyes that even that person can can come to Jesus and that in him uh, can receive salvation. What's interesting is that um, the Jew, ach, the, the thief on the cross with Jesus at the last moment of his life, at the last moment, saw Jesus for who he was and, and was given the gift of salvation. Jesus actually says uh, that he will be spending eternity with him. And so I think when we, when we look around and, and one of the big differences between the, the Jews and the Gentiles were uh, that the Jews viewed the Gentiles as, as, as those that, that didn't follow the law, that didn't do what they were supposed to do. And I know that in the past we've, we've spoken about this. But what that means is that salvation uh, isn't about what we do. It's not about, um, it's, salvation isn't about baptism. It's not about tithing. It's not about um, doing what's right. Salvation is about Jesus. All those behaviors that, that we change come afterwards. But that is as a result of our relationship with Jesus. To come to Jesus, all we need is a willing heart. And so when it says there's now no longer Jew or Gentile, it means that it doesn't matter what your, your spiritual background is. It doesn't matter uh, what your, your spiritual, spiritual heritage is. I'm the, the first believer in my direct line. And, um, or I was, let's say. There, there have been some, some awesome changes. And so you might be the, the first believer in your line. And, and what an incredible gift that is. Um, that hopefully we are able to, to align our family lines with Jesus. The next part is there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And fortunately, we live in a world that for the majority, we know it's not the case for everywhere, but for the majority, that slavery isn't an issue anymore. But when you look at, at, at this and, and you look at it in the context, so remember Paul was writing it, and there's a saying that says, Scripture can never mean what it never meant. And so we, we got to look at it into, into the context of which it was written. And if you have a look at the context in which this was written, when Paul was writing it, we know that slavery was something that existed. And to be a slave basically meant that you had no status, that you had no status in society. You were basically a, a, something that could be traded. And so when, when, when Scripture says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, what that means is that regardless of where our standing is in society, or well, this is how I understand it, regardless of our standing in society, uh, our socioeconomic standing or, or where we live or how much money we have or whatever the case may be, that when we come to Christ, when we come to Him, there is not one that is a less than the other, that we are all in Christ. And so I would have the ability to go to anybody that is a believer, regardless of of where they live, how poor they are, how rich they are. And we would be seen in the eyes of God as, as equal. We would be seen as, as one in Christ Jesus. The next one, male or female, I have discovered that there has been huge debate, and this has kind of been a, a pivotal uh, verse that has been used in, in other sides about the role of women in ministry and etc. etc. But when I read this verse, what I see is that it doesn't matter if you're a male or female, that God has a calling upon your life. Now, what that, how that calling works out, that's a whole different story. 
But what I know is that when I read the scriptures and, and we are called to as believers to, to read scripture in its entirety, um, you can basically um, take one verse out of context. And I remember somebody saying to me, you can basically make the Bible say whatever you want if you take it out of context. And, and you know, there, there's so many jokes about, you know, people just opening the Bible and, and, and acting on it. But we know that we are called as believers to, to read the Bible uh, in, the, in the big picture, in the full picture. And to take verses in context with other verses. Um, because sometimes uh, certain verses were written into the context of that time. For example, greet one another with a holy kiss. That would not work now. Okay, some cultures, yes, but with COVID-19, there will be no greeting one another with a holy kiss. And so when, when we read this, we see that during this time um, that Paul was writing this, uh, women uh, didn't have much standing and they were also um, seen as, as, as lower standing. A few weeks ago in our Bible reading, we were reading about David and um, how his wife um, if you remember the whole story, he was betrothed uh, to Saul's daughter and then he had to flee and then he, you know, he won in an area and then she said, I want her back. And then, you know, then she was given back. But her current husband at that time was very sad. And in and, and no way do you see scripture talking about how she felt about anything. And, and one thing to remember about the Old Testament, especially the Old Testament, is that just because it's in the Old Testament doesn't mean that that is part of God's plan. All right. So you'll read in the Old Testament, there are some, wow, there are some very interesting things that happened there. And so we read the story about where this woman is just basically traded as a commodity. Nobody asks her how she feels. And it doesn't even mention her feelings. It just says that the husband was upset. And so even though it's in the Old Testament, does not mean that that's what God, uh, that's not God's heart. Okay. So we see that that isn't, uh, when you read the whole, the whole Bible in its context, you see that, that God doesn't see us that way. And so when I read that there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. When I read this passage and I look at it, what that means to me and I believe that is also part of God's heart, is that in Christ, each one of us, regardless of your background, whether uh, you come from a line of believers or non-believers, whether you, uh, regardless of your, your spiritual background, regardless of where you stand in society, regardless of whether you are male or female, that each one of us has a calling upon our lives to, to follow. Each one of us has a calling from God that we need to act on. That there isn't one person that has a greater calling than another. That when, when uh, we read in Psalms that before the world was created, God saw each day of our lives laid out before we even lived one, before we even, even a thought. And that each person, each one of us, has something that God has called us to do, something that God has created us to be able to do. I was uh, teaching my, my grade nines uh, this week about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And uh, the, the top one for those of you who know is self-actualization, which is uh, where you fulfill what you believe is your potential. And there was one line that said that very few people uh, reach this and, and that is kind of a, a, a moving target. And I realized that if we make our uh, target, 
our potential, if we make it, if we determine it by ourselves, then we will never truly live out the way God wanted us to. When I look at my life through the lens of, of God's calling upon my life, that, um, that he might call me for something different than what I expected. And that only through that are we actually able to find um, true joy. You know, I, I look at the life of, of Helen Keller, who I'm sure many of you are familiar with. Uh, Helen Keller was, was born uh, deaf and blind. And for many years, she was unable to communicate. And then a woman came along whose name was Anne Sullivan. And um, she was the, the first person that was able to communicate with Helen Keller. And, and that was the changing of her whole life. They actually have a movie about that. And so we see at all the th we look at all the things that Helen Keller achieved, but we realize that that Anne Sullivan had a unique and a pivotal role to play in her life, and that um, we can only only um, guess. But I I don't think we would know so much about Helen Keller and, and have uh, benefited from so much of her writing if Anne Sullivan hadn't played the role that she did. That if she didn't. Um, do what she did with Helen Keller in her life, we would have missed out. I think about Dr. Mordecai Ham. For those of you who don't know, he was the person that um, led Billy Graham to the Lord. That uh, Billy Graham, the great evangelist, um, who was uh, played a role in, in so many coming to Jesus, uh, that he heard Dr. Mordecai Ham, and, and that's how he became a believer. And so for some of us, um, our calling might not be the one on the stage. It might not be the one that everybody is aware of. But I firmly believe that each one of us, regardless of where you come from, each one of us has uh, a purpose for this earth. I have a look at the, the young boy in, in, in scripture um, where they wanted to, to feed the 5,000. And, and I, you look at that and you realize that the young boy that, that had the, the loaves and the fishes, um, that he played a very pivotal role. And I can only imagine uh, what, when he was older, looking back, what he must have thought. And so what, what I'm trying to say is that when I read this part of Scripture, I understand very clearly that, um, that there's a lot of debate and argument about the roles of different people in church and all of that. And, and, I, and I acknowledge it. But what I see when I read this Scripture is that each one of us, has been given a part in this beautiful world, in this, in this beautiful crazy world, that God has given each one of us a purpose and each one of us a reason that we are on this earth. And that regardless of where you come from, um, you are called to be part of this big plan that God has. I often wonder and I, I look and I go, God, wh what are you thinking when you... Um, Get people to be, you know, the ones that tell others about you. Because I know myself. Uh, the older I get, the more I am aware of how um, how sinful I am. When I, when I first became a believer, I thought it was all about the external stuff. You know, don't swear, don't that. And I got that down very quickly. And then as I get older, I realized that's the easy part. The, the hard part to overcome uh, is is the the motivations and the thoughts and the, the the thinking patterns. So the older I become, the more aware I am of of how sinful I am and and how much I need Jesus. But each one of us is called to 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 be part of this this mission, as as we uh, read in Matthew twenty eight, 
to go out into all the world making disciples. And um, it takes all of us. If you just have a look in the world right now, the world needs Jesus. The world really needs Jesus. We all need his healing, his forgiveness, uh, his strength, his joy, his peace. And today, you might be that person that God is calling upon to do that. You might be the person that um, gets to love someone that, that needs to be loved to understand how much Jesus loves them. And so church family, as, as, as I read that, that passage, and I know that there is so much more to that passage, but the part that I want to highlight is that you and I have a calling. I don't know what that calling might, might look like for you, but I know you have one. And, and regardless of your background, regardless of who you are, whether you're male or female, whether you are poor or rich, uh, whether, whichever people group you come from, whatever the case may be, God sees you. God knows you and God calls you. And you and I have the obligation, uh, actually not the obligation, the privilege to answer to that call and do everything that he asks us to do. Because in Christ, we are all one. Okay, so how do we apply this practically to our lives? We've heard that we are a new creation, that we are um, God's children, that we are to put on Christ. We've also heard that there's no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. How do we apply this practically to our lives? Well, I think God wrote so much about this, about unity, bearing with one another, being patient with one another, but also the fact that we are one. He kept on saying this because God made us different. He sees all our differences. He sees our physical differences, and he also knows that in this world, there'll be other differences that are not physical, like our economic status or um, the, the family that we're born into, where we're born, where we live, all these things. And God is saying to us that even with all of these differences, you are still one. Every one of you is, is one of my children, right? It says, treat everyone as if they're one of my children. We need, to, we need to remember that. We need to think of that. Think of the next believer as a child of God, someone cherished with dignity. So don't ever look down on anyone, on anyone at all, for any reason, for race, tribe, gender, socioeconomic, um, none of those things. Those are all superficial things. God here is telling us to look at the spiritual reality, the fact that we are all one in him. Live like we're all his children. See, there's a, there's a, there's a um, side effect of this. It says, if we love one another in this way, they will know that we are his children and they will praise God. Jesus told his disciples this, that if they love one another, people would see their love and would know they belong to him and would glorify him right the reality is that we're all given the same spirit every single one of us every one of us is given the same holy spirit when we ask when we ask when we when we accept christ we're all called to do the same work god has called us he says make disciples of all nations every single one of us male female young old rich poor 
every single one of us is called to this work. Every single one of us is called to that mandate. And God gifts every single one. God doesn't discriminate. He doesn't say, oh, because you're poor, you're not going to get a spiritual gift. Or because you're a woman, you're not going to get a spiritual gift. Or uh, because you're a man, you're not going to get a spiritual gift. God gives all of these things. God said, teaches us this because we get so caught up with the external. We look at someone and we decide. And God's saying, that can't be the way you live. Right? You are all my children. Treat each other this way. If we, if we look at an, just an example of this, we think of the way that women are treated here in Namibia, but all over the world, even amongst believers. Does God look at us and say, this is the right way to treat one of my children? I'll say this because uh, I'm a man and, and, and God has called me to be responsible in this way, in the way that I treat women. So we need to treat them as co-heirs. They're, they're reigning with us. They're not below us. They're not going to be off to the side. They will reign with us. We will reign together. Made in his image, male and female. A woman has the same calling that I do. Go out and make disciples of all nations. And here's the thing. She has, God calls her. And God calls me. He calls us separately. Yes, we're the body of Christ. But every single believer has that call from God. God has a specific call for people to use, to go and do this this, 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 the great call, the great commission, but in different ways, because we're gifted differently. She has the same Holy Spirit that I do, right? Gifts are not unique to gender. We need to treat them with dignity. What I've, what I've realized about us as believers um, and people, people in general, our differences, our strengths, and we have strengths and we have weaknesses. And our strengths are not an advantage over another, but are our responsibility to another. So what I mean when I say this is, if I'm a young man in church who still has strength, and there is an older person who's struggling to carry something, my strength is not an advantage that I use for myself. It's a responsibility to help those who can't do something for themselves, right? In the same way, me as a man, my physical strength is not something to be used over women as, as an advantage, but it's a responsibility for me to protect, right? And we can think of all these other things that are mentioned. When God says there's, there's no uh, uh, slave or free, if we look at our, our, our modern, a modern context that would apply more to, to rich and poor to the employer and the employee we are one in Christ and we need to treat them that way with dignity we need to remember all these things we are co-heirs we have the same spirit we have the same call right we have a responsibility to one another as children of God, to treat one another as children of God, to remind each other of our identity in Christ.
and this just doesn't apply to when we treat people uh, this way it doesn't apply just to, to, to believers but also to those who aren't believers because God desires that all men would come to know him he wants to give all people this dignity so in the same way that our God wants to give them that dignity we need to as well we are all one in Christ and if we live this way we can win this world for Christ but if we push each other down if we discriminate against one another if we use our strengths to our advantage and, and push others down we shame the name of Christ so let's let's cherish our identity but let's also use that identity to lift others up let's remind each other that we are all children of God and treat each other accordingly let's treat each other as, as a family that's going to reign together one day let's show the world who our God is by the way that we love one another let me pray for us Jesus, I thank you so much for what you did for us. We were undignified and lowly because of your grace and your deep love. You died on the cross. You came to, 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 to save us, to take us out of the, the pit that, that we were stuck in, to take us out of our sin, to dignify us, to call us into your family. Lord Jesus, we are eternally grateful for that. Thank you, Jesus, for how you have loved us in that way, called us to be yours. Thank you that we belong to you. We have an identity, right? God, thank you so much that we have <clears throat> an eternal future with you where we will reign. But God, you've called us to, to, to live that love here, to live as family here to live out this identity, to put on Christ, to put on your love, to put on your compassion, to put on your grace, to put in your, your, your patience. God, you said that people will see that we are your disciples by how we love one another. I pray that you'd help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is Rico Vecca. And I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.